Again, good morning, church. My name is Nate, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, today we're going to be continuing on in our series as we make our journey towards the cross. And if you were um, with us last week, you saw, uh, if you stayed tuned to the end and saw kind of our pastoral rounds table, you got to see me be outed as the lone pastor who watched Outbreak last week. Uh, I think it was like number two or three on Netflix. So I know I'm not the only one who watched it, but um, as <clears throat> as the week has gone on, as we've um, spent a lot of time at home and we've seen um, just kind of our world um, get more and more uncertain, I have found myself this week not necessarily drawn to Netflix, not necessarily drawn towards um, a ton of movies or TV shows, but it's become co- uh, concerning to me in my own mind and heart as I've started to um, drift towards watching a lot of news coverage, paying attention to my Facebook feed, paying attention to uh, Yahoo, CNN, MSNBC. Um, and it's just really become um, something where uh, I, I'm, I'm watching things that stir up my affections, stir up my emotions, get me to a place where um, I can panic very easily. I can be very fearful. I can be very concerned. And um, and, and as we're drawing closer to the cross today, as we're in Luke 20, uh, the end of chap- chapter 20 and into chapter 21, um, I really am concerned and think that now more than ever, we need to be mindful of what we are watching. And so um, today, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke 20, verse 45. I would encourage you to grab a Bible, grab some paper or a journal and a, and a pen. Um, I'm going to give you guys some notes along the way. Um, but, you know, as we've been in this Lent series, we've been really striving and seeking to see Jesus rightly. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about that when we see Jesus rightly, we will do anything to seek and serve him joyfully. When we're seeing Jesus rightly, we will honor him as king and pursue his peace. And then last week, as we looked at Luke chapter 20, and and Matt shared that when we see Jesus rightly, we acknowledge his authority over all things. And we saw last week in chapter 20 that Jesus was kind of put on trial. He was he was questioned by the religious leaders. They kept coming to him and asking him, trying to trap him. And as Luke chapter, as our time last week in Luke 20 kind of drew to a close, we saw Jesus really leave the Sadducees stumped. That that he'd, he'd answered their question in such a way that they're like, I don't have any more questions. I'm scared to continue to ask you things. And then I love the, the way that our passage ended last week was Jesus was like, but I'm not done with you yet. And he proclaims his authority over all things and proclaims that he has existed and he was David's Lord, that Jesus has been and always will be and always was our King and our Lord. And that would have been huge to the audience. And then now Jesus is going to pivot. He's going to shift from talking theologically to now getting pretty practical to those who've gathered to hear him. And so in your Bibles, in Luke chapter 20, verse 45 through verse 7, Luke says this, Luke writes, And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues 
and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. He said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the day will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Let's pause there as again, we've said our goal in this series as we draw closer and closer to the cross and to Easter Sunday um, is to see Jesus rightly. And so this morning, we want to see Jesus rightly. And when we're seeing him rightly, we are watchful for his will. And throughout our text today, we're going to see four different ways that Jesus is seen rightly and how we can be watching for what he's up to, especially in the midst of this season. And the first one out of this text that we just read is that when we are seeing Jesus rightly, we are watching our worship. We see that Jesus transitions here and he says in front of all the people, I love that Jesus isn't scared to say hard things so that everyone can hear. And he says, beware of the scribes. This would have been unbelievably unsettling for his audience. The scribes would have been people that would have been looked up to. They would have been revered. They would have been respected. And people would have aspired to worship like the scribes. And yet Jesus starts out here saying, watch, pay attention, pay careful, close attention to how these scribes lived. And then he describes their worship. He says they walk around in long robes. They love greetings. They take the best seats in the synagogues. And they're really rejecting and ignoring the plights of the poor and the needy. He says they make pretense with long prayers. These prayers are shallow. Their worship is shallow and empty. And then the statement that would have rocked the audience to the core, they will receive the greater condemnation. This would have grabbed their attention. They would have been shaken. If they can't worship rightly, what chance would I have? That's how the audience would have heard this. Heard this. And Jesus wants us to pay careful attention to how we worship. And he's going to then now transition and compare their worship to the worship of somebody else that would have been as equally shocking Verse starting in chapter 21 says he looked up and he sees the rich putting their gifts into the offering boxes and he sees a poor woman putting in two small coins. I love that in the midst of a crowded space with in the outer courts of the temple with a lot of hustle and bustle going on, Jesus sees the widow and he sees her worship and it matters to Jesus and he praises her small sacrifice of two coins, roughly worth a fifth of a penny. That's what she puts into this offering box. And Jesus says that they've contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, she's worshiping rightly. 
Real, true worship is selfless and sacrificial. It's following in the footsteps of Jesus who left heaven to come to earth and lay his life down as a sacrifice for us. And then out of that abundance, out of that gratitude, being able to say, I'm not going to hold anything back. And so in this season, church family, I want to encourage us to watch how we worship, to pay attention to how we are worshiping in this season where, you know what, we don't have the corporate gathering. We can't come together in this room this morning and be together, but we still get to worship. We still get to come together. We still get to, to worship and be in the word. And, and the temptation right now, I believe, is very real for each one of us, especially when it comes to how we view worship in regards to our wealth or our finances. How are we saying Jesus, we want to seek opportunities to not hold anything back, to worship with what you've given us. And, and, and we see Jesus here is saying she's given out of, she's not holding anything back. The, the rich people are coming, they're writing checks, they're dropping them in the offering boxes. These offering boxes would have been scattered around throughout the, the outer courts in the temple to care for the widows, to care for the poor, and those who labored and worked in the temple. This isn't um, atoning for sin. This isn't sacrifice. This is above and beyond giving to those in need. And so there's people giving great gifts, but they don't feel it. It's not hitting their hearts. And Jesus looks and sees this woman. He says, man, this matters to her. She cares about the needs of others, and she worships God, and she wants to be about what God cares about. But I think it's important to pause here because there's, there's, there's a distinction that needs to be made. Is Jesus saying that it's a sin to be rich? I don't, I don't think that Jesus is necessarily concerned about the dollars or commas in anybody's bank account, but rather he's saying it's about the heart. We've said this before here that, that you can be righteously rich or righteously poor. And likewise, you can be unrighteously rich or unrighteously poor. Jesus is concerned about our hearts. He's concerned about are we making him Lord? Are we letting him sit on the throne? And is he the object of our worship? And so if we want to see Jesus rightly, we need to be watchful for his will and his ways. And one of the ways that we do that is we, we watch our worship. We pay attention to what is trying to steal our attention, steal our affection and get us off track. One of the ways that Jesus talks about this in verse five through seven is that his disciples are standing around talking about how beautiful the temple is. And again, Jesus is just getting to the heart of everything um, that they would have understood. And so he says, um, these things that you see, the days will come when they will not be left. There will not be one stone left here. This would have been very scary for the original audience that there were, that they were going to lose the place where they came to be with God, where they came to have their sins forgiven, where they came to, to worship and sacrifice and give offerings that that place was going to be taken from them would have been extremely concerning. And Jesus is, um, is exposing in the, that 
worship isn't about a place. That, that there's going to be an opportunity through him. They're going to be able to continue to worship. And he's predicting the destruction of the temple. And rightly, they ask the question because they care about their worship. What are we supposed to do? If the temple's gone, can you, can you help us be ready for that? Can you help us be prepared so that we can continue to worship? So that we can continue to be in the presence of God? And so if we're going to seek to see Jesus rightly, we need to watch our worship. This morning, church, I want to give you guys some questions as we go along. And so I'd encourage you to write these down. I've got two questions as we seek to watch our worship this morning. In this season where it's just the times are uncertain, life is chaotic, and there's a lot of opportunity for fear. There's a lot of opportunity um, for just struggle and uncertainty. Question number one, how has your view of worship and your wealth been challenged in this season? It can be so tempting right now to say, you know what? I'm not going to continue to worship and look for the needs uh, that are going on around me. I'm going to hoard and hold it close. How is this season challenging your understanding of worship and specifically worshiping with your wealth, worshiping with your resources? And then secondly, how has the loss of our Sunday morning gathering impacted your worship? And what might Jesus be doing to grow you in your understanding of worship. You know, this morning I'm standing here on stage and there's less than 10 people in the sanctuary, yet we can still worship together. What does Jesus have for us in this season where just like he's preparing the disciples and saying, the temple's gonna be torn down, but you're still gonna be able to worship. What might he be exposing in our minds and hearts? If, if you're out there this morning and you feel like, man, I don't have my church family to come to, and it feels like you're not able to worship, maybe that's Jesus wanting to stir some things up and reveal that you need to go deeper with him. And we're going to continue on. As we seek to see Jesus rightly, we need to be watching not just our worship, but picking up in verse 8. We need to watch our witness. Verse 8 through 19. Jesus isn't offended by their question. He's not troubled with the fact that they're asking to be prepared for this season. He answers it. He said, verse 8, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified for these things must first take place but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. If you underline or highlight in your Bible, highlight this next verse. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand on how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up 
even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. But you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Jesus answers their question of, can we have a sign? Can we be ready so that we can continue to worship by telling them what they can expect and that their struggle, their trials, the hardship that they're going to to endure, not only is it an opportunity for their worship, but out of their worship flows a witness for Jesus. That they have an opportunity in the hardships of life to stand boldly and confidently and be a light and an example to the world around them. And so church family, I want to encourage us this morning that we would see what's happening in our nation and happening around our globe right now. Yes, it's hard, but it's an unbelievable opportunity for the church to be a witness of the greatness and goodness of our God and King. And so I want us to look, there were three commands that kind of jumped out at me in this section. Um, first in verse eight, he says, see that you are not led astray. That's a command. He repeats it actually kind of um, at the end of this verse. He says, don't go after them. In this season where we find ourselves having to practice social distancing, where we find ourselves a little more isolated, church, I believe it's so important that we find ways to fight for community so that we are not led astray. When we, when we don't, when having small groups is more difficult, when gathering in large groups is more complicated, it's so important that you fight to stay connected. See that you are not led astray. Get in the word, spend time in prayer, text your regroup, text, email your pastors, stay connected, fight to not be led astray. That is a way that we watch our witness. We make sure that we're fighting and staying close and grafted in to the truth. The second command that I feel like is maybe for us today, one of the more difficult ones in verse nine, he says, do not be terrified. Church, if you're anything like me, as you watch probably too much Fox News, as you watch too much um, stuff on Facebook and social media, and like it stirs you up. If you're not guarding what you watch, you can find fear all over the place right now. And Jesus's command here is in the midst of the hard season where there's going to be false teachers, there's going to be wars, there's going to be uncertain things. Don't be scared. We can be a witness by not being fearful, by trusting and believing that God is good and he is up to something and people will watch. And if we don't panic, if we don't stress out, if we're not fearful, that is a way to be a witness in this season to make, as verse 13 says, as, as to seize this as an opportunity. So let us not be fearful. And it's hard because we want to balance faith and be full of faith while at the same time being good citizens and walking in wisdom. That's why one of my favorite words is tension. We need to hold these two in tension. We want to be full of faith and not panicked. You don't have to go buy seven years worth of toilet paper and all of the bottled water and 94 gallons of milk, but you need to be prepared and be ready. We need to balance faith 
and wisdom. And, but there's no room in that for fear. And so we need to fight fear. And then Jesus is going to go on. And he's going to say that it's going to get really bad in verse 10 through 19. It's nations against nation, kingdoms against kingdoms. There's earthquakes, there's famines, there's pestilence, there's terrors. Uh, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be imprisoned. You're going to be put on trial. You're going to be betrayed by your families. You're going to even possibly be put to death. You're going to be hated for my name's sake. But in the middle, he gives us this encouragement that it's our opportunity to bear witness. And then in verse 18 and 19, he actually wants to shift our perspective and say, but you know what? Not even a hair on your head is going to be harmed or will perish. And by your endurance, you will gain your lives. He's, he's taking and he wants to get his audience and us this morning. He wants to get our eyes off of the concerns of this world and onto the hope of our future with him in eternity. That's why he can say, you may be put to death, but man, I'm living for a spiritual kingdom where they can't even touch a hair on your head. He's not contradicting himself. He's giving us a hope in the future and saying, look to that. Don't worry us so much about today and the uncertainty, but there is a time and a place coming and there is a spiritual kingdom that I'm going to usher in and your hope should be found in that. And so use this season where it may be a struggle, where it may be hard to bear witness. People will take notice. So church, a couple of questions as we seek to see Jesus rightly by watching not just our worship, but our witness. How have you been battling fear in the past several days? Where has fear been present and a real battle for you? I would encourage you to write those down. I would encourage you to share those with somebody. Fear creeps around the corner for us right now. And I think we need to expose those fears to light. Whether that's fear of a virus or fear of the economy or jobs or family safety or travel or whatever it is, just be honest so that you are not led astray. So that you can walk not in fear but in faith. Secondly, how have you seen your faith grow over the past few days, over the past couple of weeks? Where have you seen God's goodness? Where have you seen God's provision? And I would highly encourage you, get a journal. We've passed out and delivered some journals. And if you don't have one, get a journal, type it on your computer, start, start recording and writing down ways that you're seeing God move in this season. Ways that you're seeing your faith be grown and God stretch and then show up. Because he will use those stories. He will use those moments to encourage other people. And then finally, my last question is, what opportunities might you have in this season to be a witness for him? As we find ourselves maybe with a little bit more bandwidth, we're, we're at home, we're finding ourselves, you know, as the weather gets nice again, maybe outside, but at a safe distance, meeting and talking to our neighbors. What opportunities to bear witness might there be if you're seeing Jesus rightly and you're watching for his will? Jesus goes on. To say, if we're going to see him rightly, we need to be watching our world. In verse 20 through 33, the language gets 
even more heavy. He says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are inside the city depart and let not those who are out in the country enter. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That was some heavy language. And so Jesus is now going to help them understand what he's talking about by sharing a quick example in a story. In verse 29, it says, he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they, they, they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. There's a lot of uh, apocalyptic and prophetic language going on here. but um, And in the midst of a lot of very heavy kind of doom and gloom language that we could spend a long time unpacking all that Jesus just talked about, all that Jesus is trying to prepare because he wants us to know and be ready and be watchful. But here's what I want us to not miss in light of everything that Jesus just talked about. In the midst of Jesus promising that he's going to come back and that it's going to get tough and it's going to be difficult, there's still very much a tender shepherd's heart on display. In verse 21, he says, let those who are in Judah flee. Let those who are outside the city depart. In verse 23, he says, oh, that word alas is kind of just this, this cry. He's like, oh, for the women who are pregnant and for those nursing infants, Oh, it's going to be so difficult for those who are going to uh, fall by the edge of the sword, be led captive out, be trampled underfoot. There is this very real care and compassion for the world that in the midst of his righteousness, in the midst of prophesying his judgment and his return, Jesus still has this heart for those in need and those who are going to suffer. And so church, for, for me this morning, I wanted to just ask us the question as we seek to see Jesus rightly by being watchful for his will, watchful for his ways. How are we watching our world and not being consumed with just ourselves, but like we see here, also allowing care and compassion for those around us who are in need? 
Jesus very much cares for those who are hurting, very much cares for those who are suffering, and it just comes out of him as he's sharing. My encouragement to us is as we watch the world around us crumble and hope and security fade away, it feels like almost overnight, let us not lose sight of our mission to love one another well to care for those who are in need, to be a help in the hands and feet of Jesus. It's an incredible opportunity to make much of Jesus. And then Jesus, as he's, as he's sharing, he starts to again point our eyes and fix our eyes forward to the, the Son of Man who will return. And I talk about this often. I feel like almost every time I preach, my, uh, I, I come back to this passage in Revelation 19. And for time's sake this morning, we won't read it. But I would encourage you, maybe, maybe today, sometime this week, read Revelation 19, verse 11 through 16, because Jesus alludes to it here. And then in Revelation 19, we get from uh, the Apostle John, we get this unbelievable picture of who Jesus is when he comes back. That he's this this rider on a white horse with eyes like fire and a sword coming out of his mouth. And here in this passage, Jesus says he's coming on, on a cloud with power and great glory. And you know, as we've been in this Lent season and we were just recently celebrating Christmas not all that long ago, you know, we t- spent a lot of time talking about Jesus as a baby or Jesus as a carpenter or a man. And then he's going to die as a criminal, essentially. And then he conquers sin and death and walks out and the tomb is empty. But the next picture we get of Jesus is this one of great power and glory is the Revelation 19 picture of Jesus And I feel like I return to that picture often because I want to fix my eyes forward to the Jesus that is coming back. That's what Jesus is wanting us to be watching for. That's what Jesus is encouraging us to be prepared for. And so, yes, it's right to talk about him as a humble baby. It's right to talk about his earthly uh, ministry, his earthly mission, his, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection. But I feel like it's also right to spend time saying, We've got a warrior king coming back for us. And so let us be ready for that. Let us make much of that. And as Jesus says in verse 28, that should cause us to straighten up and raise our heads because redemption is coming for us. He's coming back. We need to be ready. We need to be watching. And in the midst of all of that though, Jesus still has this heart for the hurting. And so as we seek to see Jesus rightly, let us be inspired and transformed to follow in his footsteps, to care and have compassion for those who are in need. So three more questions I'd encourage you to write down and spend some time thinking about. How have you seen in the the recent days and events your hope and your trust shaken Things that you hoped, you trusted in, stocks, property values, job security. How how has that been shaken? How has that been stirred? And what might God be doing in that? Secondly, who around you in your circle of influence right now might God want to use you to help show care and compassion? Who's in your context that you could serve and love 
and, and show and shine the light of Jesus in the midst of an uncertain times, in the midst of, of, of a scary world, who could you be watching and caring and showing compassion for? And then finally, my last question for you is, what does it look like for you specifically to straighten up and raise your head, to not look down at your circumstances, but fix your eyes on the Son of Man who's coming back and be ready and watching for his return. What does that look like for you? Where are areas that you would, in the words of Jesus, need to straighten up and raise your heads? Lastly, we see that when we're seeing Jesus rightly, we're watching our worship, we're watching our witness, we're watching our world and for opportunities to show care and compassion. But then finally, in verse 34 through 38, when we're seeing Jesus rightly, we want to be watchful for him and watching our weight. And that's not like wait, like eat all your isolation snacks. Like we've all probably done a little too much of that. We probably need to watch our weight. Um, but I mean, how are we waiting well in this season? How are we ready for Jesus's return? How are we ready and watching for his will to be done? In verse 34 through 38, he says, watch yourselves. That word that he uses there, watch, is the exact same word that we started out with in verse 46 of the end of chapter 20, where he says, beware of the scribes. That's pay careful and close attention to the scribes. Now he's saying, be, pay careful and close attention to yourself. He says, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. No one's going to escape. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Three things I want us to see in this section where we're watching our weight. We're paying attention to how are we ready for what God is up to. First off, he says, and this is a command, watch yourself. And then he gets super specific that we wouldn't be weighed down and seeking to escape the concerns of this world by diving deeper into the cares of this world. Specifically, he calls out alcohol that we wouldn't give into dissipation and drunkenness. That word dissipation is like when, when you start to lose your inhibitions and you get giddy with laughter and then eventually hung over. That's, that's what's being talked about there. That we would not give into our flesh and seek to escape the realities of this life by digging deeper into the cares of this world. Because the concern, if we're not ready, if we're not watching how we're waiting, he says, is the day will come and it'll be on you like a trap. It will just be here and you will not have been ready for it. So he says, pay close attention. Don't escape into the world 
He says, everybody's going to have this day, but stay awake. That's the kind of the second command in this passage here is stay awake, be ready. He finds another way to kind of say the exact same thing. Be alert, be ready, be paying attention at all times. And then the final command here is praying that you would have strength. The word here that, that Jesus uses for praying is like a literal begging of the Lord that we would have strength. He's okay with us asking him for things. He's okay. He wants us. He's a good father. He wants us to come to him. And he says, beg me for strength. Beg me for strength. But look at what he asks us for strength in to escape all these things that are going to take place so that we can stand before the son of man. This was possibly the most impactful part of my study this week as I got ready for this morning was that Jesus is asking us to beg him to escape the world and stand before him. And it brought my mind and heart back to Genesis when, when Adam and Eve, before the fall, before sin entered the world, they had this beautiful, intimate relationship with God where they were able to stand and walk and be close and be in perfect communion with God. And then they sin and they rebel and their response in rebellion is to escape into the bushes and hide from God. They no longer have the confidence to stand before God. They feel guilt, they feel shame, they feel separated. And sin has broken their ability to stand before their father. And since that moment, we have battled and our, our, our flesh pulls us into escaping into the world because we're fearful of standing before God. And so we stand in the world and escape, try to escape God our Father. And Jesus is going to come. And as we make our way to the cross, as we see Jesus rightly, we see that he's doing this great reversal where he's saying, no, don't escape into the world, escape from the world. And let's go back to the way we wanted this to be from the very beginning, that you would stand with me, that you would be seen by me. One of the most beautiful things about seeing Jesus rightly is recognizing that we are seen by him, that he sees and knows us, that he cares about us, that he left heaven to come and rescue us. And we have a hope that he's coming back. And that should cause us to say, I can't wait for him to return. I don't want to escape into the world. I want to escape from the world and stand before the son of man. When we see Jesus rightly, we know that we're seen by him. And so I wonder this morning how many of us need to hear that encouragement that Jesus sees you and knows you and loves you and died for you. He wants to rescue you from the world so you can stand before him. When we see Jesus rightly, we celebrate that we're seen by him and that causes us to be watchful for his will and his ways. And then lastly, just the little bit of context that was here, that every day he's teaching in the temple, he goes out and rests at night, and then it says early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple. 
We've been gifted this tough season to watch our witness, yes, to look for the needs of those around us, absolutely. How can we care and be a light to our world? But in the midst of waiting well for what God is up to, I wonder if this is not an opportunity for us to further deepen and develop some disciplines in spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time memorizing scripture, spending time sitting at the feet of Jesus, just like we see here. They were eager to learn and grow from him. I wonder what needs to change, what needs to go deeper. And so my uh, two last questions for us is in this season, how are you escaping? Are you escaping into the world, into food, into drinking, into Netflix, into news, into fear, into just isolating at home with your family? And, or are you seeking to escape from the world and into Jesus? Are, are you seeking to say, it is scary, but I'm going to use this as an opportunity to grow deeper. And that's my last question is right now, what does your time with Jesus look like? And how might you be able to grow deeper in this season? And so we want to see Jesus rightly. We want to be watching for his will in this season. And Jesus here is giving us opportunities. He's giving us examples that we can be watching our worship We can be watching out for ways to witness and care for the world and waiting well because we have a God and King who is returning. And so let us wait well. Let us persevere. Let us look at this as an opportunity to bear witness and by our endurance, gain our lives. Not that we earn anything, but that we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. And so church family, what I'm going to ask is that I'm going to pray. And then this would typically be when we respond in communion. Um, and so I'm going to ask that at the end of this video, your response would maybe be to sit with some of these questions. What is, what is the Lord stirring? What is the Lord doing? What are some opportunities to either grow deeper with him or more intentional in community, more intentional in your neighborhood? What are some ways that you can be worshiping? Ask yourself, sit with some of these questions. If you're watching this with other people, maybe start and have a, have a discussion. Spend some time in prayer or maybe jump to that Revelation 19 verse 11 through 16 passage and read that and orient your mind and heart around the Jesus that is coming back. And so let us be full of faith in this season. Let us walk in wisdom, but let us wait well as we see Jesus rightly and watch for what he's up to. Will you pray with me?